0: back my friends and fans of the ski rex media podcast and ski rex media as a whole happy new year yes the first brand new episode of the new year 2023 um i hope the end of the last year treated you well it didn't treat me well between between power outages between injuries between illnesses between another power outage Ski Rex BD has been offline for a little bit on and off, so yeah, we're getting back into it kind of late, and here I am, still kinda sick. So if I'm off in or clear my throat, I promise I'll try to hit mutes and I'll try to edit it out and post later. I swear I will. But if I don't, yeah, I'm disgusting. And we all go through it, so here's to that. Now. And I just raised my can to the camera as if you're gonna see that. I only use the audio. Isn't that stupid? Anyway. Before we get into the interview, we're going to get into something we haven't heard in a few weeks. That's right. We're going to talk about Whaleback Mountain. Whaleback right over here in Enfield, New Hampshire. Not far from me. Not far from our guest as either. Um, Whaleback is... The awesomeness! I love it. I'm a pass holder. I'm there as often as I can be. I missed opening day because I was sick and injury. Power. All right. Enough trying to get um sympathy from everybody. I know it's it's disgusting. Whaleback well, Mountain is awesome. Right off I-89 in Enfield, New Hampshire, exit 16. They're the only game on the on the exit. Yeah, there's a couple gas stations, of Dunkin' Donuts, and yeah, there's a neighborhood. People live there. But to heck with all that. Go to Whaleback. They got the trees you want. They got the ungroomed. They got the groomed. They got stuff. They got night ski. They got everything and they're only adding more. And we'll be talking to John and Alex later on in the month. Maybe I don't remember when we're talking to them because again, sick uh, Ill, injury, all that stuff. It doesn't matter anyway. Well, back mountain ski. It, totally, believe it. Check it out. Awesome place. I say go. Also, if you're in the market for brand new skis, by other partner, Saint Ski, Saint Custom skis and snowboards out of Gorham, New Hampshire. That's right. I just said to our guest, I'm in Vermont. I work with people in New Hampshire. What is that about? Um, Saint skis and snowboards, custom. Custom. You want something of your very own, length, width, cool graphics, swear words, even. They'll put anything on it. Shout out to KJ and his dad, Kevin. They'll put anything you want on a pair of skis, on a pair of snowboards. A pair of snowboards? On a snowboard, whatever you want, they can make for you. So check them out, saintskis.com. Links for Whaleback and Saintskis in the description. And links will be there for our guest as well. Now, we've talked about adaptive sports before. Shout out Kim Jack- Jackson at Vermont, ski, uh, Vermont Adaptive over there on the other side of the state. Uh, but we're now we're going to talk about it from a New Hampshire point of view, I guess. I don't know. Carly Bascom, ED over there at um, the NEHSA, if I got that right. Carly, how are you? You got it right, Tim.
1: Thank you. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>
0: No problem man. Hey, I'm very interested in adaptive sports for a lot of reasons. Number 1, I think it's like we know it's there. We see it, but we don't know anything about it. And there's, you know, the the ways it has to be taught, very interesting. The technologies, very interesting. What can and can't be done and how that has progressed over years. You know, and uh, we're going to get into the history of that. So let's start. Let's make it easy and start with who you are and what you do over there.
1: Yeah. So my name is Carly. I'm the executive director for New England Healing Sports Association. We're located over at Mount Sunapee, New Hampshire. We've got a lodge uh, right at the base of Mount Sunapee. And we've been around for 50, We're on 51 years. This is our 51st season season which is pretty fantastic. We started in 1972 uh, as a weekend ski program for veterans with disabilities. They were Vietnam War era veterans returning back home, trying to get back into the sport that we all love and trying to figure out, you know, how to do it with new injuries, um, new bodies, you know, coming back from war. Their, Their bodies were a little bit different than going to war. So trying to get it done however they could to still enjoy the sport of skiing. That, that's really where our roots are. That's where we started. And we've certainly grown since then.
0: I would imagine like <laughs> 51 years in the, um, in the industry, that's an incredible run. Like there's ski areas that are only that old and you have a specific program that is equally as old Um, and with something that old you've gotten the program has seen all all kinds of progression now you say it started with veterans is that still a big thing that you work with is it veteran based
1: yeah it's still a huge thing um so yeah i'll I'll back up and do a little bit more history for you um so yeah we started with veterans in the 70s from there we kind of evolved into serving people with all different kinds of physical disabilities so veterans and civilians we introduced the civilians into our programs Uh, in the 90s is when we started serving people with cognitive disabilities um so people with you know down syndrome um autism those sort of populations started to integrate into our program and now today it's 2023 I can't believe it's 2023 but today (laughs) we are serving essentially any person with any disability from we always say the ages of four to 104 uh you know that that top number doesn't happen too often but we are known to serve a few hundred year olds uh each season so Yeah, we've grown over the years and glad to keep serving the community in the way that we do and really just getting people outside and and having fun and the power of being outdoors. We all know as skiers and snowboarders, we know what that can do to the body, to the mind, to the spirit. Uh, And that's really what we're about is making sure that there's access for everyone to get out on the hill.
0: Absolutely. I, I've, I always say it. Snow sports are for everyone. They're for anyone. It doesn't matter your age. She's not wrong. I've seen people 70, 80, 90. And we all know Klaus Obermeier, that guy, he's never going to stop. <laughs> he's like 100. He's been on snow for 90 years. Like who, who does that? Nobody. He owns the record. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So that's awesome. Get everybody out who can or who wants to. Um, And now it would seem, and again, we're going to talk about this like I've never talked about this before. Um, Ski Rex Media is a learning experience. People who listen to this know that. I want it to be as educational as it is entertaining and sometimes uh, self-deprecating. Now, so what, what can, is there anything you can't do over there? Like can you, is the technology or the technique not available? Or can you just get about just about anyone? Or is there anything that you can't get that you are working on or wish you could get to? That's a
1: really good question. I think the perception a lot of times with people with disabilities, uh, you know, from the outside looking in is, oh, they can't do this because they're missing a leg or they can't do this because they have a spinal cord injury. But in our world, in adaptive sports, that's really not the case. We, uh, and I think I speak for the community, the adaptive sports community, I don't want to do that often, but I will (laughs) hear, is we like to not say no. So uh, if there's somebody that maybe has some, an increase of challenges or uh, maybe some medical complications, there might be some hesitancies, but it's all about mitigating the risk and making sure that we do it as, as safely as possible. So no does not come out of my mouth very often and nice. we really it's it's about try you know doing everything we can to get whoever it is out on the hill enjoying what we do so um i won't say there is nothing we can do that mm-hmm. would seem extreme but we will pretty much try anything as long as we can do it in a safe manner Uh, and, and sometimes that looks like staying over on the bunny hill on the magic carpet area here at Sunapee. We have a fantastic learning area. Honestly, I'm, I'm biased, but I feel like it's one of the best in New Hampshire. So we have a really nice Mm -hmm. learning area. It's separate from the big hill. So a lot of our lessons, you know, we may have, some athletes that come and they're wanting to bomb down the hill but it's their first day skiing so we'll oh yeah we'll start over in the <laughs> learning area uh even if it's this the smallest carpet magic carpet surface lift so uh as long as we can do it safely and as long as we feel that there's the risk isn't extreme we'll say yes
0: Absolutely. And I totally get that. How do you know if you don't try and then obviously try that in the safest manner possible? You don't just want to say, well, the heck with it. It'll work and go with yeah, yeah. it. You know, you don't want that. Um, so if you're. And again, you don't want to speak for everyone, and and I get that. But that's that seems to be a general consensus uh, of adaptive sports professionals is that yeah, we want we want people to do these things, summer or winter, it do, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we want yeah we want people to yeah. do these things. So we will try it, we will find a way, and then eventually you will develop something new. Have you as your program specifically developed anything new that has gone national or regional or anything, or is that not how it works?
1: No, I I mean it does work that way. I I hesitate to take any claim to fame for any specific piece <laughs> of equipment. But we certainly do uh you know, duct tape is a, a certainly a wonderful friend in the adaptive sports industry. Oh, yeah. We're always, you know, putting foam pieces together and and duct taping all different pieces of equipment and uh <laughs> So certainly duct tape is our friend. We've got, we've got some different renditions of outriggers that a few of our instructors have worked on. And I'm realizing now that I just used the term outriggers and people may not know what that is. Uh, oh.
0: Outriggers
1: are essentially, they can be used up for a skier that's standing up and skiing or okay. a skier that's sitting down skiing. But they, are, they look like crutches. But they have little skis on the bottom of them. Okay. so they're used uh, for somebody that's standing up, maybe they are they only have one leg. Uh, that's called three track skiing. So there's a track that their ski with their their leg is on. Sure. And then the two tracks from the outriggers in the snow adds up to three. So that's what that's called, three-track skiing. So they use outriggers for that. And then the sit skiers that you'll see bombing down the hill, um, they are sitting down in an adaptive piece of sit ski equipment. And they have shorter outriggers because the distance sitting down from, you know, your arm to the ground is shorter. And they... Similarly, they have skis underneath them, and they're using them to initiate their turns and uh, move down the hill safely and in control.
0: See, I didn't know those had a name. Now, again, it's something we all see, not really, I don't want to say take for granted, but we see it, but we don't ask questions because it's ski poles. That's what it looks like. So it's just like, all right, it's ski poles. Yeah. I didn't know it was a, spe- <laughs> like a spe- as specialized a thing as it is. You know what I mean? I I, I didn't know. And I'm sure no one else knew either. Um, and again, we've also seen the sit skiing and all this stuff. Now, all this equipment, it is it is some specialized equipment. I, I've heard tell some of it even now being built. I don't know if this is true. Again, educational, out of titanium, more Like these things could take a bomb and not break and this kind of thing. And this is part of the progression of the different sports. Is that accurate? Like, are we there where this stuff is so well-built, well-manufactured, technically advanced, like Star Trek-level technology? Like, is that where we are?
1: It's pretty impressive, I've got to say. You know, I'm no engineer, uh, but we do have a few engineers in our program, and we have... We know of several engineers in the industry, so they do a fantastic job really uh, making the equipment lightweight, durable. Uh, You don't want something real clunky, you know, just like just like when you or I are skiing, we don't want something real clunky going down the hill. We want it to be lightweight. We want it to be durable. We want it to stand the test of time, functional, functional all of those things certainly go in into play. And like I said, I'm not an engineer. I'm sure a million other things go into play, but <laughs> the technology over the years has been amazing. If, if you looked at sit skiing several years ago, it would have looked more like sledding. Sure. Uh, but, but over the years they've gotten certainly better technology. The skis are, are the skis hmm. under the sit skis. So there's, couple different kinds of sit skis there's bi skis uh those are those look like a sit ski with two skis underneath and then there's a mono ski so that's the sit ski with one single ski underneath the bi skis have articulating skis so they can uh move their edges similar to you or i moving our edges on skis so certainly the technology is just Miles and miles and miles away from where it used to be
0: when the sport started. And, and you all and your program have used, um, I can't say all technology because technology goes so fast. Who knows when something's coming out? But you all are up to date, I'm sure, on everything.
1: Yeah, we've got an impressive fleet of equipment uh, in our it's stored in our basement of our lodge. And anybody that wants to come by Mount Sonopi and check out our facility, they're more than welcome to check out all of our equipment that we have. We've got several different renditions of the Zitski over over the years. We've kind of kept some for historic purposes, uh, right. but then also, you know, just to see where we've how far we've come. Um, but then also the newest top of the line stuff we've also got it's it's admittedly impressive
0: i I can imagine i mean i love technology myself um know very little about it but still want to touch it and play with it so i totally get where the impress where it being where it can be impressive and that's awesome but technology is only so much you know what good is technology if you don't know how to use it what does it take and like, like I'm assuming again, there's a lot of assumptions and I'm just going to ask a bunch of questions as that's what I do. That's um, fine. Technique, you are all skilled in it. You have your part. You have others who have their part. What, 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 what is the technique like? What do you have to do to learn it? Like, I'm sure some of your people are PSIA or um, the snowboard version of PSIA, which I can never remember. Um, Not, not doing anything bad, I love snowboarders. I'm just saying my, my mind is shot. Um, what, what is all that? Who, who's learning? What are they learning? What can they teach? The whys, the hows, all of that stuff.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's a great question and I appreciate you for, for asking it. We are a volunteer program. So yes, we do have paid employees that work for our program. Right now we have four um, and we've had four for quite a few years now. Everybody else that is out there teaching our lessons uh, in our program, they're all volunteers. So we have currently about 250 to 300 active volunteers. Oh, wow. And they have all, I'll say they, not all of them are PSIA or Aussie. Aussie is the snowboard version of certification. (laughs) Not all of them are PSIA or Aussie certified, but many of them are. And so, a lot of them have gotten their training through PSIA and Aussie, but we also train all of our new volunteers and returning volunteers in-house as well. We have a whole slew of training that we go through during the month of December. We kind of, we don't do any lessons until after Christmas. So we reserve the month of December to be all on snow training for our instructors to make sure that they're prepared to go out on the hill we're not throwing them into a scenario where they're completely uh uncomfortable or just not prepared to handle um War. so training is a big thing for us we also host trainings mid season and there's really no adaptive experience necessary to volunteer with us it's really just the want and desire to learn the adaptive piece to skiing we get a lot of people that love the sport of skiing we get a lot of you know kids that were ex-racers and and retirees that are just looking to get sure. more involved and so there's no adaptive experience necessary it does help if you know how to ski or snowboard already that certainly helps we want you to be comfortable yeah. on skis or snowboards uh, sure. but we're willing to train just about anybody that's willing to learn
0: Excellent. And the beautiful thing about volunteers, I think, um, is that these folks are here with the passion. They're not just collecting a check. So, you know, Lord knows we've all done jobs. We're only going because we're getting paid. We don't like it. These people like it. They want to be there. They believe in it. And I'm sure you could see that, you know, throughout their days as they train and work. Yes.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yes. I. From This is my ninth season with Nessa, and I am every day more impressed with the heart and compassion and dedication that our volunteers display out on the Hill or in any of the sports that we offer. uh, They're just the best group of people, and we're so lucky to have them really really yeah and the funny the irony is if you talk to any of our volunteers they'll say well i get i get more out of it than i give which is just you know it's impressive to me because they feel like they're they're getting as much out of it if not more than what they're giving to the program and what they're giving to the athletes that they work with so it's it's a pretty heartwarming place to be we've referred to uh (laughs) To our lodge as the Smile Factory, there's a lot of smiles going nice. around, so nice. it's uh yeah it's kind of a warm fuzzy place to to hang out. I appreciate that it's my job, uh, very lucky yeah. to to be working here.
0: That's very cool. That's wicked cool. Now, as you said, you're at Sunapee. Now you're not a, like officially affiliated with the mountain, right? You're not a veil operated mm-hmm. thing at all, right?
1: That's correct. We're a separate nonprofit organization. Uh, we are friendly neighbors of Mount Sunapee. Mount Sunapee and, and Vale Resorts have been fantastic support system for our organization. But totally. we we kind of work in, in tandem with them. We're not part of Vale Corporation. We're separate and, and kind of doing our own thing.
0: Cool. That, that works. Um, but you are right there at Sunapee. How great is that to have like, not your own mountain, but your own mountain. Like for instance, um, if again, not, not to bring up other people, but it's fine. Uh, you know, Vermont Adaptively talked totally to them. They work, yeah, totally. Um, they work on, you know, at Saskadena, Killington, um, the few others, they just built that building, whatever it is. I can't remember. Again, the brain is shot. Doesn't matter. Anyway, you know, but you are on site right there. That's got to be a huge advantage.
1: It's pretty fantastic. We've had our lodge here. I I actually don't know the exact year, but it was something like the well, 90s. I think is when we we first got our first rendition of our lodge here at Sanape. Uh And a few years ago, we actually did a big renovation and expansion project to our lodge. Which doubled Please. it in size, which has been just honestly such a game changer for our program is oh having God. the space to move around, the space to have people, you know, with assistive devices, walkers, wheelchairs, have allow them the space and environment that they need to even move around before it was a really crowded small lodge. So, uh, certainly being right here at the base of the mountain is just, it's wonderful for our program, and and we appreciate being able to be neighbors with Mount
0: Sunapee Resort. Absolutely, and uh, Sunapee is another one of those places. Like I would say, Whaleback is super accessible. It's it's on the highway. You could throw stuff out the window while you're passing on the interstate. (laughs) Sunapee really isn't that far off either. It's very easy to get to. Like I can almost get there from memory right now. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Right off. Right off of 89. I'd say. I don't know. I've never measured it, but 10 miles, maybe, off 89. Uh, it's real convenient location if you're if you're traveling on 89.
0: Yeah, it, it's wicked easy, everyone. So if you are looking for an adaptive program, this, this you know in there now. Do you just work? In New Hampshire, do you team up with Mass, Vermont, whatever it is, Canada? Um, how does that work? Are you anywhere, everywhere, or because it is New England is in the name? This is why I ask.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. So we've been, we have done lessons at other mountains before, upon request. Uh, we have a pretty good partnership. With Okemo being close by in Vermont, uh, sure. we've done a few school lessons over there for folks that have needed had adaptive needs. Uh, we've also done some lessons down at Pat's Peak.
0: Pat's um, Peak, yeah,
1: yeah. We years ago we did lessons at McIntyre in Manchester,
0: Okay. But back.
1: really our home base is is Mount Sunapee, and currently that's where our focus is mainly because of covid we're trying to build back some of the um volunteers volunteer base and then some of the athletes we're building back after covid so it's it's honestly been a little bit of a up and down since 2020 but we're approaching pre-covid numbers this season and we're really excited about it yeah
0: now, that's something interesting. The last time I talked to anyone about a, uh, adaptive was pre-pandemic. So since we got post-pandemic, and I know everybody's sick of it, but I don't care, um, <laughs> you're, you're almost up to those numbers. What, what kind of challenges did you have to go through? Like Obviously, you had to deal with all the shutdowns and the lockdowns and this mask or that mask or whatever it was to for New Hampshire. I, and again, every state was different. It was very hard to follow. Um, but you You obviously made it through, but what did you have to make it through to get here?
1: Yeah, so we shut down in March of 2020, which would have been close to the end of our winter season. We were actually getting there close anyways just because of the snow conditions. I don't know if folks remember, but March 2020 wasn't the best ski season due to the snow or lack thereof. So we, we almost closed out that winter season, which, you know, financially was good. It was good that we got as far as we did into the, the 2020 season as we did. But what we haven't talked about yet is that we don't only do skiing and snowboarding. We also True. do year round programming. We've got a hiking program, a kayaking program and paddleboarding program that we run. Uh, that first summer during COVID we didn't, we actually halted all of our in-person activities. Cool. Um, and we, took our show on to Zoom. It was pretty wild. We were hosting all different kinds of adaptive sport and recreation classes on Zoom. We did a very cool. quick pivot. Uh, and folks, went, the response was really good. We, you know, we we knew that because so much of our mission is getting people outside that may not otherwise get outside and getting them active that may not otherwise be active, we didn't feel right to just shut the door and say, okay, we'll just wait till this blows over and then we'll we'll pick up where we left off. So we wanted to make sure that we were keeping our athletes and our volunteers engaged in something, whether it be we did some kayak cardio classes, we did adaptive yoga classes, we did some different social groups and coffee hours just to keep people active. And we did that for like nine months. So from I think April to November. I, I'm not doing. I'm not doing the quick math there, but it was it was right. sometime between April and November. We did strictly virtual programming, which is I think about it still, and I'm like that is wild. But like I said, people were being told to stay indoors, and our our mission is to get people outdoors. So we wanted to stay true to that um, and and make sure that we were doing it safely. So sure. then. Our first winter season was the 2020-2021 winter season, and we went back to in-person programming. We still had a full winter season that year. We just reduced the capacity that we did it. So we we kept our numbers lower so that we could socially distance. We did all kinds of sh- screening protocols and um, quarantines if people were exposed or had covid we just followed guidelines uh, pretty strict guidelines admittedly and and glad that we did because we didn't have to shut down at all due nice. to you know overexposure or our staff getting exposed or anything like that we Very messed good. up uh, so yeah it's been kind of ever since that season it's been kind of we've we've taken layers off of our guidelines layers off of our guidelines and ease them up each season as as you know everything else in the world has kind of done as well we do still have some covid protocols that we follow but again we're just trying to do everything safety is our biggest thing and we want to make sure that however we're operating we're doing it safely
0: excellent the adaptive yeah. sports people adapted and went with it
1: <laughs> right um, we didn't know what adaptive meant fully until COVID-19 <laughs> came
0: <laughs> everybody got a taste of adaptive yeah. for, for a year or two we all did but that's all right we're past that we're going we're into winter now you said we will get into the summer stuff too I, I swear Um uh, but so far we've talked now we talked about how 2020 was kind of ended as an ugly winter and we're off to kind of an ugly start. And <laughs> now you've said that has you start after Christmas anyway except for your training. Have mm-hmm. you been impacted by this weak winter so far?
1: So we we opened up as planned on December 27th for our lessons and you know we're just just a week out now sure. and our we've been fully booked. For the last week, which has been fantastic, Excellent. the uh, the Sunapee's done a good job keeping the conditions uh, decent for us, working yeah. with what they what Mother Nature has given them, and so we're glad to keep you know as long as the snow's there, we'll still host our sessions for sure.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, and this we this winter so far in New England has been weak. And I don't think there is anywhere in the country right now that just has a winter. It's either weak here in New England or it's all that mess out in Buffalo that they're still digging out. It's Utah was shutting down ski hills the other day because of too sure. much snow. It's 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 feast or famine, I believe it's, is the term.
1: Yes, extremes on either end of the spectrum there. So Hopefully we'll get some some more natural stuff soon. I'm looking, you know, I'm always looking at the weather forecast, looking ahead. Sure. Temperatures are going to be dropping later this week. Hopefully we can make more snow, if not, get some natural snow. So would be nice. Looking forward <laughs> to it. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, even if our winter turns out to be bogus, because that does happen sometimes. Like I'm not going to say we haven't had bad winters. I'm not going to say we <laughs> haven't had sick, incredible winters. But that takes us to spring and summer. Now, you shut down March, April. You know, that's when winter things close down here in New England. Um, and then you start back up again. And you said you had specific sports, if you want to go over those again.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, mud season is what we like to refer to it as. I know a lot of New Englanders know what that means, but that's that oh, totally. real. Yeah, real muddy, gross time in April, May time frame. Uh, We take the month of April to kind of just close out ski season and then plan for our uh, spring, summer, fall seasons. So in May, we'll start up hiking and hiking is actually fairly new to us. That's a program we started during COVID. Uh, That was in in november of 2020 we started our hiking program as a way for get people outside in a safe social distances or physical distances and really just enjoy each other's company enjoy the views of some different hikes in the area so sure. hiking is what will start up in may and then in june july august september october is kayaking and paddleboarding and we right. still run some hikes in between there as well. Uh hiking then goes into November as well and then we we do it all again it's yeah. wash rinse repeat <laughs> get ski season ready uh and then it's just the cycle continues.
0: Very great very nice and haul fi- hiking hall Fall hiking in New England is ridiculous. Number one, the temperatures have come down. It's beautiful. The leaves are changing. Everybody loves that. Lord knows our population up here increases every fall for a little while. It's awesome, and that's awesome that you are doing it. Now, one of the big sports now, especially for mountain and outdoor sports, is the mountain biking. Have you all attempted that yet? Do you want to? Is it too much?
1: I'll never say never, that's for sure. Uh, Certainly the interest, I think, is there. It's just, you know, mountain biking, like all of our adaptive sports, it gets expensive. So we want to make sure that before we... You know, before we commit to anything, we've got funding in place to pay for the equipment. We've got the interest in place on the athlete side of things, but also the personnel in place on the volunteer side. Uh, totally, and then totally. storage, storage for all of the equipment, too. So there are oh, some yes. different factors. And certainly, you know, Mount Sunapee did start doing mountain biking several years ago over sure. on their South Peak area. So... Mm-hmm. Certainly, that's a a point where we may be able to expand in the future. Um, who knows? I'm like I said, I'm open open to pretty much any trying pretty much any sport. We just want to make sure we've got all the resources in place.
0: All right, then let, let, let's do this. Now, for those who don't know, the mountain biking is you start to get like the quad bikes, um, and they have specialized equipment too. Again, these are. I also am not an engineer, so I get to marvel at it and be like, "Wow, this is incredible." <laughs> So, these things take up space. They cost that much more. Again, outdoor sports are not cheap. And it's not just skiing and snowboarding, kids. There's other ones that, like mountain biking, some of those bikes are five, six, seven, eight grand. And now, if you add specializations like quad wheels and everything, it turns into a 10,000, 11,000, 12,000 or more bike. And then again, if you get into the professional sports, which I want to get into that too, but we'll get there. But she's not afraid to say no to anything. Now, the one of the reasons I asked about the mountain biking is because Sunapee, a lot of mountains are starting to do mountain biking. It's yeah. just, it's a thing. A lot of mountains are also starting to do disc golf. Are we doing that? We could, we could. There is a disc golf.
1: <laughs> like I said, there, we could do a lot here. There's a disc golf course at Sunapee. Certainly, we could do it. Go. And you know what? Honestly. Thinking about it now, Tim, we've got some adaptive hiking equipment. So we could use the adaptive hiking equipment to go through the disc golf course. Gra- you know, discs <laughs> wouldn't be too expensive, that, no. relatively speaking. True. Um, so we could certainly turn our hiking program into kind of a hybrid disc golf program as well.
0: That would be awesome. I I love that that idea. See, look at that. We're (laughs) progression, (laughs) progression, progression. We're doing things nobody else has thought of yet, which is kind (laughs) of weird because people have loved it. And that's why I asked again, mountains have started to do the mountain biking, but at almost every ski mountain you see a disc golf course popping up. They're all over the place now. Super popular now. So I was like, well, shoot, is that even a thing? Could that be done? And obviously it can. Um, which is great, um, to bring it back around to something I said before, you know, with the equipment, once you start getting into specialized professional and comp- competitive riders, um, whether it be summer, winter, snow, uh, winter, fall, spring, doesn't matter. Do you all work with, um, competitive riders, whether it be a national, regional, high school, university level, like, you know, there are Paralympic type, uh, events, on on those smaller levels. It's obviously not just every four years, and there it is. Some people think that about non-Paralympics, too, just like the Olympics is, wait, these people are actually working year-round? Like, yeah, they don't just show up for three weeks for that. Do you work with the professionals or at least the competitives?
1: Certainly, yeah. We, I mean, we have a wide variety of uh, athletes that we work with. Some of them are really here just to have fun. and It's strictly a recreational basis, but certainly there are others that are, uh, more into the com- competition of things. Totally. We do have a race program, uh, at Nessa. So the, we have, we run race practices every Saturday. Uh, things on the race side have been a little interrupted again due to COVID, but we're bringing things sure. back, hoping to host some more races, get, get our athletes out to more races in New England, at least. Um, and like I said, certainly we've worked with some, pretty impressive athletes that have gone pretty far competitively. Uh, yes. Paraly- you said the Paralympics, which is, you know, definitely, definitely we're we're into competition, friendly competition.
0: Well sure. <laughs> um, does that now is that just Alpine or have you do you does your program have the 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 know how and the equipment to have moved into the freestyle thing? And that's something That we've seen sit skiers are now are doing, you know, cork 540s, which is ridiculous because throwing that trick anyway is impressive. But now you're doing it with another 100 pounds attached to you. Not, you know, it's just not your body. Are are you moving into that more, those more technical disciplines or no? And that's summer, winter, too. It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, so right now we're still in Alpine. Um we could start to trickle into some of the, the freestyle stuff, but definitely not we're not there yet. Um I know I watch on TV and I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> they just did how many rotations?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah, no yeah.
0: No fear. Definitely. In fact, I love it because I've said just to watch the progression of freestyle sports anyway, there was a time when I was a kid you would do these tricks in video games that were obviously, ha funny it's mm-hmm. animated, it's not real now they're doing it. Like, they're taking right. bindings right. off, they're letting go of the bike, it doesn't matter, it's like <laughs> what? And yeah. obviously, adaptive sports are catching up as well Again, I love it Oh yeah, it's beautiful, it's wonderful So, now, we ask you a lot of questions. Now, what do now, well, again, one of the things you start to hear about, for example, people who run the mountains. You've heard me talk to John Hunt uh, listeners over at Whaleback. You've heard me talk to Lindsey Deloria at Bolton and Jeff Hathaway down there, Magic, and so on. All these people that run the mountain to get the name GM, or the title, I mean, GM, executive director, whatever it is, your job is everything or anything. Is that you as well? Are you out there teaching? Or are you or Are you just stuck to the office and you have to sneak out to get runs?
1: No. I, I wear a lot of hats. I People that know me know that I literally wear a lot of hats. Nice. Um, but figuratively as well, I pretty much, because we're such a grassroots organiza- organization and a, a small um business i pretty much dabble in everything operationally that we do here so some days you might see me out on the hill i'm actually a snowboarder i'm sorry sorry to bring that in now but um i I do do. some snowboard lessons and by the way i do have a pair of snowboards so there you go
0: vindication yes
1: yes you you didn't misspeak back then um so some days you'll see me out doing snowboard lessons with some of our athletes. Some days I will be glued to the desk or on the phone, um, working more on the admin side of things. We actually got our own rental ski shop here in oh, our building, cool. which is nice because then we're just a one-stop shop for our athletes. They don't have to go to one place at Mount Sunapee and then come to us. They just come straight to us. So some days you'll see me working in the shop. Um what? so i'm kind of all over the place uh and i i like it that way i like to see all the different sides of the operations but certainly we have i have a ton of support with our staff here at nessa and then the volunteer base Uh, they're just they're fantastic i I work with such a good team of people excellent
0: excellent and that's that's something i like to point out is that the further you go, and I know this is a thing across several industries, but since we're talking about the uh, ski industry as I do, the the snow sports industry, the further up the ladder you go, the longer your job title gets. Um, not because you're a manager, because you are now cooking, cleaning, training, do it, running lifts, whatever it is, but... Um, take it out the trash. It doesn't matter. And that, that's just the way it goes. And people enjoy it. That seems to be a, a commonality is that people are like, I love it. I'm, I'm in the parking lot. I, you know, I ask people, I've asked these different people, what's your favorite job that most people wouldn't, um, expect a gm an executive director what to do I, i'm pretty sure uh, hathaway said he loves running parking lots that's his thing you know <laughs> um some people like to, to run lifts you know and it, it, I, I get why this could be a lot of fun so i want to know if that was still a thing and it is universal obviously and you obviously oh for
1: sure it. for sure yeah yeah it's funny i so i started as at nessa as an intern and so nine years ago, I was just out of college, I started as an intern. So I've kind of seen just naturally, I've seen all the different pieces and the layers of the different positions in the organization. So it's good to uh, not just be glued to the desk, it's good to see still see those pieces of my job that I had previ- in previous years, um, and still get out on the hill. Certainly, like, my passion is getting athletes out. And active in sports. So that's where I like to be. I like to be with the athletes. But it's, you know, being the executive director, it comes with all different kinds of challenges. And each one is different than the next. And it keeps things exciting.
0: Awesome. Hey, man, if you like what you do, you don't work a day in your life. That's what they say. I don't know if that's true yet. I like what I do, but I do work. So who knows? Um, except when I'm sick, injured, power out, the whole thing. Whatever. A um, lot of fun there. So you do a lot. That's awesome. Let's let let's 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 plug it because I want to make sure people know they can get to you. N e um, h n e h s a dot org. Correct.
1: That's us. Yeah, that's us. So you can find us on our website. Um, All of our contact information is also listed on our website. If you or somebody that you know is interested in getting a lesson with us, certainly reach out to us. Give us a call. We'd love to get them out on the mountain um, or out on the water, depending on what time of season it is. And if you or anybody you know wants to volunteer with us. We're always recruiting volunteers on a rolling basis. Again, no adaptive experience necessary. We will train you as you go. Uh, We just want to spread the word about, you know, what we're doing and kind of the things that we're doing to make the world a more accessible place for everyone.
0: Very good. And also on the website, if you want to volunteer, awesome great go for it if you're looking to um enter the world of adaptive sports as as an athlete as someone who's learning how to do this stuff do give them a call that's great also um nessa is again dot org non work on donations and stuff i assume correct
1: Oh, yes. So we get a lot of our funding. We do charge us a, a fee for the services that we provide. Sure. We try to keep those costs low. Uh, skiing is expensive, but we try to keep those costs oh. low. And we do that through grants and donations and the really the generosity of the community that we've built. But, you know, the community in New England, it's, it's just amazing. Um, what folks are willing to do to make our mission possible. So if you're interested in donating, you can also do that on our website. We also have a ton of different fundraisers that we do annually. Our biggest fundraiser of the year is actually coming up. It's on February 4th. It's our ski and ride-a-thon event. Basically, you register. It's 100 bucks to register. That includes your ticket for the day. And then you try to rack up as many runs as possible. And you try to get pledges for your ski runs or your snowboard runs. Uh, It's a really fun event. It's going to be again, February 4th. And there's more information about that on our website as well, as well as our social media pages. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Our Instagram handle is Nessa N H. There you go. N-E-H-S-A-N-H.
0: That is a mouthful. But once you put it in once, it'll be there forever. Very easy to find. I follow them as well because I need to find them as well. Um, that's very good. You could get all kinds of stuff done with these folks. Carly, very nice. I'm sure she, all the other uh, staff is very nice. Christine, shout out to her. Very nice lady as well. Um, was a kind of a go between, uh, especially while you were now talking about other adaptives. You were just out west, I guess, doing with a, with a big thing big to do what was that about
1: yeah i was lucky enough to travel out to breckenridge colorado for they have um an event it's an annual event out there it's called the hartford ski spectacular and it's it's amazing um it's all adaptive it I was out there for instructor training. So the PSIA and Aussie, they do an adaptive education for instructors all over the country, and they host a ton of different clinics uh, early in December each year. But the other side of that is there were also adaptive a bunch of adaptive athletes at the event doing uh, race camp and race training, and cool. they're you know really on that competitive level getting – lessons and coaching done, um, just to improve their skiing and riding.
0: Nice. So yeah, it's a, it is a thing, my friends. And we like, what we're talking about here is just a very small part. If you are anywhere, it's just like Seth Ehrlich from SOS Outreach said, you know, you can we'll find you a place to go if you if you know, if you're not right here. And there's always places people will get you out there. And Carly said that she'll put anybody on the snow or the water.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's actually a great resource. Um org. I believe that's what it is. Uh They have a, a baby basically a member base and it's got they list adaptive organizations all over the country. So they have a map on their website. If you're in Washington State, they've got organizations that you can reach out to. If you're down in Florida, there's all different kinds of places you can go to for whatever sport you might be interested in. So they're a really good resource um, if you're looking for a specific region uh, getting involved in adaptive
0: sports. Very good. Yeah. And everybody, if you have ever thought about it, just even thought about it, give someone a call and get out there again. I say it all the time. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter anything. If you want to come play in the snow, come play or in the summertime as well. But Ski Rex Media, we'll talk about skiing, fine, um, and snowboarding and things like this. Now, get out there, just go, give give these people a call. Say, hey, I I I I have this challenge, I have this disability, I have uh, whatever. It, it Dudes, we'll get you out there. Just try it. It's fun, and I get it. It's cold, it's wet, it's expensive. I know why people don't do it. Just try it. You'll love it. I think you agree, Carly.
1: I agree. And if you don't have the equipment to get out there yourself, like even snow pants, jacket, hat, goggles, we actually have a bunch of that stuff here too. So oh. don't let that be your limiting factor. We, we kind of hoard equipment that hey. people have donated to us. And and then if you know somebody comes that doesn't have a pair of ski pants, hey, you've got these for the day. So don't let nice. that be your limiting factor.
0: Yeah, man, let nothing stop you. Just go for it. Yeah, and, I mean, if you need a ride, we'll find you a ride. Yeah, that's New England. We're rural. We don't always have a bus. But there's somebody's going up there, darn it, and we'll get you somewhere. Awesome, Carly. Thank you very much for doing this. This sounds great, man. Sounds like you've got a great program there. It's run well. You're right on the side of a mountain. Huge advantage. Easy to get to. I love it. Thank you.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you. And if it's okay, I actually want to touch on something I forgot oh, totally. to touch on.
0: Yes, I can't believe for I
1: forgot this. But we are just – this is airing on the 10th of January. So we are going to be right in the middle of our New England Winter Sports Clinic for veterans with disabilities. You asked about how much we still keep veterans involved with our programs, and sure. certainly they are still at our root. Uh, we serve a lot of different veterans with disabilities, but this event uh, – in January is uh, partnered with VA, New England Healthcare System. So the VA is involved and we host, typically we host about 60 veterans with disabilities for the week long event. And we're just about getting them out on the snow, skiing, snowboarding. We do have some other activities. We do some kayaking in the pool. We've got some pickleball going on this year. So that's an event that we're gonna be hosting real soon here. And I wanted to at least touch on that because I totally spaced.
0: Yeah, believe me, you don't have to (laughs) be anything about forgetting stuff. I don't even know my name half the time. The wonders (laughs) of the smartphone, ladies and gentlemen, people using the play Angry Birds. Heck with that. My calendar is my app. That's what I use. Um, So that's coming up. Yeah, we're going to be this will be out. So the first day you're going to hear this is actually the 11th, Wednesday, the 11th. What is the date range for that event?
1: so that's going to be january 9th through the 13th
0: very nice so all next week well next week for us this is today's the third um all next week for us we'll definitely plug that here on ski rex media as well again available on the website you go there you can find it they give you a call they can find it in fact i'll probably cut the audio out for this early to make sure and we'll put it up on social media so people know it's there and then you can get the episode on Wednesday Um, and again if you're a veteran check it out man I get it I my family's veterans my my stepfather works for the VA hospital here in town man so I get it get out there man and and enjoy it Ninth through the 13th all week that's wonderful
1: yes yes and we're the it's the biggest uh, veteran clinic for adaptive sports in the northeast so we're pretty excited about it
0: Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. To be the yeah. biggest. That's great. Yeah, fantastic. So we'll we'll see that maybe I can get down there and check that out. I, I, I'm not going to FISU this year, kids like I wanted to, but <laughs> you know, I, it, I'm so far behind. Maybe we'll go down to Sunapee and check that out. Instead. Come see. Come see. You're welcome anytime, Tim. Excellent. So we'll see if I can get down there for that. We'll get get Carly out of here. I'm sure she has stuff to do today instead of fooling around on the old podcast, which is fine. I mean, I have a good time with it. If you want to stay, we can stay. <laughs> but the n e h s a dot org. I'm trying, kids. I really am. It's, it's a mouthful.
1: It's a mouthful. But you got it. You you got it right every time. So Excellent. good on you.
0: oh man and that of course links will be for everything in the description as i always say don't check the show description show notes while you're in the car you will get that ticket or get hurt i have gotten the cell phone ticket in new jersey it was a buck and a quarter and i don't mean a dollar and 25 cents i mean 125 dollars. it's not (laughs) fun and it's dangerous so don't do that um but as soon as you're safe or if you're listening at home go ahead and check that out links there Again, if you need more information, if you want to get into it, if you want to volunteer and participate, also welcome. We'll take all comers, man. It's it's fine. All the information you can want is at the web, uh, is on their website, and of course, social media is also a wonderful thing. We have well, it can be a wonderful thing that we have in the twenty first century. Miss Carly, thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. it was all very interesting. Thank you.
1: Thank you. So glad to be here. Appreciate it, Tim.
0: And there she goes, Carly Bascom from the New England Healing Sports Association, the executive director over there, down there in Sunapee at Mount Sunapee. Very cool. I I dig on the adaptive sports world. It's very interesting from the technology to the techniques to the people that participate. And speaking of the people that participate, I am going to go down there next Wednesday or Today, if you're listening to this on day one, you see, there's the fun part. Let's break some fourth walls. Let's get some behind the scenes going. It is January 3rd. That's what we're recording this. This will be out January 11th. On January 11th, I am going to go down, or today, for those listening on day one, I should be at Mount Sunapee, checking out the event with the veterans, hanging out, talking to people, looking at the techniques, looking at the technology, talking to the people who... Working there, talking about talking to the people that participate in the adaptive sports, talking to everybody and see how, how it goes. It's going to be interesting to be on ground level, I think. And we'll talk to some people down there. We'll hand out some stickers. We'll do a couple things, right? Right. So if you're listening to this on the, in the morning and you're coming down to Mount Sunapee, hey, man, I'm around there somewheres. Check me out. See if you see me somewhere. I, I'm sure I have the high-vis vest on. That's not for safety. That's because I want people to see me. It's narcissism. Anyway, all kidding aside, thank you for listening to the Ski-Rex Media Podcast yet again. Welcome to the year 2023, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be hopefully a bigger season for the Ski-Rex Media Podcast, the Ski-Rex Media as a whole, as I am already more busy than I have been in years prior, and that doesn't include the being sick, injured Power outages? No, 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 my friends. I have stuff lined up here and there and everywhere throughout the rest of the season, and I will see you out there. I do thank you for listening. I do hope that you have subscribed and or followed, depending on where you are. Obviously, use the Podbean app if you don't already, or it's on any one of any... Pretty much any podcasting app that you would like to use, you can find the Ski Rex Media podcast, and that includes on YouTube. It is still audio only, but if you want to use it, it is there for you to use. Right? Right. Thank you once again to everybody who listened. Thank you again to Carly for participating. Thank you to Christine who helped us set up the interview. And thank you to anybody and everybody who has something to do with Ski Rex Media, including our sponsors whaleback mountain in enfield new hampshire and saint custom skis and snowboards over there in gorm new hampshire check out both of them links to everything is in the description including those two sponsors plus Ski Rex media of course you can just go to skirexmedia.com and there you will find links to everything i do whether it is recorded written or on social media right right thank you everybody check us out next week for another brand new episode and i will see you out there thank you